Welcome to today's episode of Disclosure, and it's good morning to some of you, good afternoon to others, good evening to some, maybe it's the middle of the night wherever you're listening, and it's a lovely day here in the studio. It is. Yeah, you can say that because we don't have any outside windows. For no. all we know, there could be a hurricane outside, a Colorado hurricane. We have no idea. You know, um, recently we were in the studio, Sean, when you were away, and there was a massive snowstorm, but we <laughs> we finished the episode and then we all ran home. No kidding. Quickly. Snowstorm. Yeah. We can't actually see anything down here. We were no. in the basement. We were in the conclaves. Hey, here's mm-hmm. something exciting that's coming up, it, and it's going to show up the last October. We, well, not the last October of your life. No, the, the last weekend of October. Mm-hmm. And it's a series, a short series we call A Pale Horse Rides. Now, you know what's happening this October, right? Yeah, of course. It's a big anniversary. And what would that anniversary <laughs> be, Miss Jean? It's the 500-year anniversary of when Martin Luther nailed the 95 Theses to the door. That is absolutely correct. You get a gold star on your chart today. Okay. Okay, so all now, those 500 years, years. Now, studying history. Here's what we're going to do. This series is called The Pale Horse Rides. And if you want to get a sneak peek of what it's all about, you read Revelation chapter 6. There are the four horsemen of the apocalypse, and they're part of the seven seals. And you've right. got a white horse, a red horse, a black horse, and a pale horse. And what we're going to look at is a sort of a hidden Christianity um, that lived outside the bounds of the Roman Empire. Some people might remember the series we did a while back called Shadow Empire. What happened when Constantine became the emperor? You know, he he solidified, Mm -hmm. he sort of unified the Roman Empire. There was a tetrarchy in his day, four emperors, a junior and a senior in both halves of the empire. Mm -hmm. Anyway, he, he unites it, but then Christianity and politics kind of begin to mingle and the Dark Ages happen. What we're doing in Pale Horses, we're going to look at more than a thousand years of Christianity that existed outside the bounds of the Roman Empire and how some people that maybe you've never heard of, barbarian tribes on the fringes of the world, mm-hmm. actually helped pave the way for that Martin Luther event. It's mind-boggling. It's easy to take in. Uh, the website you want to look at is, I think, palehorserides.com. Palehorserides.com. Yep. That's right. Sean, I am so excited for this series to um, be here in October. I've seen a little bit about what uh, the programming is going to be like from the written perspective. I've seen some of the images. It's going to be powerful. I'm I think really, it's gonna really be, excited. Well, I'm really excited because I'm the star. You know, <laughs> You're I just star. I'm so excited that I no, I, I can't stand seeing my face on camera. But I'll tell you this. Let me tease everybody with this, and then we'll move on. But what we managed to do was find some of the most obscure things on the planet. Mm -hmm. There is evidence of Christian cultures, barbarians that just suddenly become Christian, and they've left the evidence behind in ruins that are like 1,500 years old. We went and found some of those. We'll show those to you, the stories that come out of these. I mean, these are people that go from drinking blood out of human skulls to... Uh, making copies of the Bible in a matter of 10 years. It's yeah. just absolutely yeah. unbelievable. Pale Horse Rides. Palehorserides.com. Coming in October. Yep, October. Mm-hmm. Finest month of the year. Do you know why? Well, your birthday, of yeah, course. Yeah, it's my birthday in October. And so you can send your cards, care of Sean Boonstra, <laughs> Box 999, Loveland, Colorado. If you're listening to this and it's almost October, it's time to get that birthday card selected and sent to Sean Boonstra. <laughs> Eight zero five three nine. Don't forget that. Eight zero five three nine. Yeah, and it'd be nice because I don't think I've ever gotten a birthday card in my whole life. Oh right, not yeah. even one. No, not no. even from your family. No, it's kind of mm-hmm. sad, right? Hey, poor, poor now, if boy. everybody were to put a twenty dollar bill in that birthday card, that'd be awesome too. <laughs> oh, it would sure. go straight to the work of evangelism. Yeah, right, actually, that's right, true. Right. People have tried to say, "Hey, preacher, I don't know why people like to do that." Here's a little something for you. 
take your family out. Not once in all the years that people have tried to slip me something. I try and give it back. And if they won't take it back, I put it straight into the fund because we're here to get the work of sharing Jesus finished. That's right. Hey, let's talk about... um, Let's talk about our topic today. Yeah. Uh, well, and actually your illustration fits perfectly what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk this about is... my birthday? <laughs> no, no, no. About the finances. This year I'm turning 35. Oh, you wish you were turning 35. Actually, I don't. I no. like the age that I am. <laughs> yeah, you've always said you wanted to be 50 and you're really, really close. Yeah. Not quite there. Yeah. But yeah. So we did three uh, programs recently, Sean, about oh, yeah. Christians and, and finances. That's right. Were you going to add something nope, else? No, nope. no. We okay. talked about Christians and money and how you relate to money and um, – mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, it's a huge topic. There were all kinds of things that as we did those other programs, we thought, ah, we should talk about this, 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 and this. So this is number four in our series. Where we're going to talk about this, 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 and this. <laughs> right. Well, um, and these these are the things we're going to talk about. A lot of people are going to be interested in today's episode, I believe, because we're talking about the secret of happiness. There you go. And I think out of all the things we hope for in life, this has got to be number one. We just want to be happy. And I think it feels like it's harder and harder to find that happiness. Yeah, it is. It's what we crave and we never seem to find. Mm-hmm. Uh, according to a Time Magazine article that came out in the summer of 2016, so not too far in the past, 2016, mm-hmm. I was looking at this thing and there was this Harris poll and it was looking at American happiness. Now, I know some of our listeners are living elsewhere. I know some of you are in Canada, for example. We don't forget there are people north of the 49th parallel because we used we to live forget. there. Yeah, yeah, we fled the frozen north, but we do know you're up there <laughs> yes. living in the – driving your dog sleds and living in igloos. We know all about you up oh, there. you're very insulting right yeah. now. No, mm-hmm. I lived – didn't you live in an igloo when you lived in Canada? No, that would have been cool though. I would have liked that. I built no, one once. I lived once. in a I, I ordinary did, house. I did build one once. I've been on a dog sled too. You have. Uh-huh. You have been on a dog in the sled. Arctic. Anyway, American happiness. Let's talk about – those rotten Americans, because you and I are not Americans. We're soon to be, I we're believe. Pr- yeah, pretty, we're pretty close pretty to close becoming to Americans, Americans. But right now we can point fingers at those awful Americans and talk about them. <laughs> American happiness on a scale of 1 to 100, how happy do you believe Americans might be? Well, You've peeked I, at the I, notes. I happen you know. to know the answer, but let me just say this. It really surprised me. I really? would I would have thought thought the number was double what the actual really? number was. Really? Mm-hmm. It's 31. 31 On a scale out of, of 1 to 100 in happiness, Harris Poll, not sure how this works, but it's 31. Americans are 31 out of 100 happy. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, that, you know, that probably comes as a surprise to a lot of people because out of every place on earth, America was born on a guarantee that people have a right to life, liberty, and... The pursuit of happiness. The pursuit of happiness. Yeah. And this was the one place on earth nobody was allowed to interview, interview, <laughs> interfere. Mm-hmm. Oh, they're not allowed to interview you either if you don't want to. Mm, that's yeah. true. Yeah. Nobody could interfere with your right to go out there and find happiness. But right. in spite of that guaranteed right, less than one-third, less than one-third of Americans describe themselves as happy. Yeah, surprising. Yeah, there yeah. are a few more surprises. There mm-hmm. are more surprises. But wait, there's more. Ooh. If you order now, we'll throw in a second Ginsu knife. No, there is more. There's more yeah, here. Yeah, there is. Ginsu knives. You remember Ginsu knives? Mm-hmm. Now, if everyone had a Ginsu knife, maybe that number for happiness would go all the way up to like 80. Because those seem to make can, people really happy. Can we buy happiness? I'm not sure. I don't think we can. Yeah, I don't think so. Here are the, here are the numbers. Listen to these statistics. It's going to come as a surprise to a lot of people. Okay. Observation number one. Mm-hmm. You're, you're supposed to do the drum roll. Uh, okay. Yeah. Number one, women are happier than men, hmm. right? Okay. And I know that's going to drive some of our modern feminist listeners nuts. Like, no way. Women are 
way unhappy and men are way happier than and I actually have heard that all the time marriage makes women unhappy and makes men happy and men are happier than it's actually the other way around men um men do not experience the same level of contentment as women in America now it's not a huge difference 33% of women describe themselves as happy mm-hmm. and 29% of men hmm. So on all, still not good. No, no, it's not a huge spread. But one third of women are happy, Uh and a little less than that of men. men. So, how many of those unhappy men are married to happy women? See, it's about four (laughs) percent. Interesting. So that's observation number one. Women are happier than men. All right. All right. You got more to be. The 2016 Harris poll. Yeah, you've Mm -hmm. got more to be happy about anyway, as women. Do I? What? What what do we have more to be happy about? Okay, women are nicer. Okay. Does that right. make us happier? And the whole world revolves around you. All the ads on TV revolve around you. Oh, the, the whole, whole, yeah, the whole <laughs> world revolves around, around women. Us. Oh, absolutely. Oh, wow. I think you'll yeah. get letters on that one. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> Write those letters to Gene Booster at Box no, 999, in Colorado. I'll set you straight up. Birthday cards program. to Sean. Uh, letters to Jean. Uh-huh. Okay. Mm-hmm. Observation number two. Okay, drum roll. People, no, we don't have. Well, okay. your drum roll, your last drum roll was so good. No, it wasn't. No, it was pretty bad. Yeah. What did you play in band? Uh, clarinet. For about a year, I didn't like band. Wow. Yeah. You want? Should we talk about what you played in band? No. That's no, a fun no. conversation. No. 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 That must be buried forever. <laughs> what instrument did you play in band, Sean? I played an instrument. Okay. Which one was Observation it? Observation number one was two. It? it was the tuba. Yeah, it was. Do you know why I played the tuba? Tell Made me. economic sense. I didn't have to buy the instrument. The school district owned it, and it, I was the only tuba player in the entire school district, which meant that I got invited on every school's band trip for free. They paid my wow. way, so I never went to school. I went on band trip after band trip after band trip. But the downside is you're tuba boy. Yeah, I, the ladies weren't you know too interested. Oh in no, that. tubas are a babe no? magnet. I got to tell you, tu- <laughs> tuba. The tuba is a babe magnet. Girls were lined up to get my number. I'm not buying it. Sorry. Okay. Observation number two. Mm-hmm. People who earn between $50,000 a year and $75,000 a year, between mm-hmm. fifty and seventy-five, okay. are happier than people who earn $75,000 to $100,000 a year. So the ones who make more are less happy. The ones who make more hmm. are less happy, right? So apparently money doesn't make you happy, and we've no. talked about that on previous programs, right? And we've all heard money doesn't equal happiness. We are raised on that as a sentiment. Everyone, you can't buy happiness. Um, although poverty doesn't entirely make you happy either. Yeah, yeah. You know, but um, Hollywood movies say, look, money's not going to make you happy. That's the central plot to a lot of movies. Success and money's not going to make you happy. Um, and a lot of people suspect, still in spite of what we've been told, that a little more money will make you happier. Hmm. And, uh, of course, it wasn't true. Right. Now, now it, it doesn't look like, Sean, that this Harris poll um, mentioned poverty. And so we don't know necessarily if having less income would make you more unhappy. No, that's true. That's not showing um, up here. But but I, it's not directly tied to money. That's yeah, the point we need to make. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Okay, observation number three. People with a college degree are happier than people who don't have one. But mm. it's not a huge spread. 33% of college degree holders mm-hmm. say they're happy. 30% of those who don't have one say they're not. So, so it's not it's a, a huge spread. Difference, but there's something really. about having a little bit of education and knowledge that maybe helps with life contentment. Mm. Okay. Number four. The American South is happier than the rest of the nation. Oh, that's interesting, interesting, right? I don't know why. Probably huh. comes as a surprise to people living in the American Northeast. Hmm. I've met some who look down at the people, oh, the people in the South, oh, I don't want to be there. Well, those people are actually, you know, happier than you are. I wonder if it has to do with family connections. Maybe um, so. I don't know. Yeah. I, would be, I wouldn't be surprised if that were it, if there are stronger family ties in the South than in the North. Well, they also have better food. <laughs> no, you go to yeah. the South and it's all comfort food. Yeah. So they, they've eaten themselves into happiness. 
right? I don't think that's cornbread. an answer either. Cornbread as makes good you, as cornbread I think the is. conclusion here is cornbread makes you happy. All right. Number <laughs> five. Number five. People over 65 years of age are the happiest age group in America. Oh, 37% say they're happy. Interesting. Yeah. Now, we're not in that age group. No, you are, but I'm not. And so I'm, I'm – well, my wife is not over 65. Not yet. Because that means I would have been like eight when she married me. Yeah, that would be a problem. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I, I looked at this one and I'm wondering, does it have something to do with the fact that you've already lived most of your life and you start to relax about things? You don't stress out because you realize it worked out for the last 40 years. It's probably going to work out tomorrow. Well, and if it didn't work out, well, you can't fix it. So um, you just move on. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You've made it through the most challenging parts of your life. Work, right. family, marriage. You made it. So maybe you're just taking a deep breath. Maybe. And uh, letting it go, right? And maybe you yeah. finally realize also what makes you happy in life and what doesn't. A little life experience makes you start clinging to the things that actually bring satisfaction. Yeah, very true. Yeah. So, hey, I see we're up against the break. There's a couple more conclusions I want to get to. We're talking – it's the happiness show on Disclosure. And uh, I'm just happy because I'm in the studio with my wife. The <laughs> deepest level of contentment I get is coming into work and looking at your pretty face on the other side of the Aww, desk. Isn't yeah. that nice? Isn't that nice? Yeah. I know. And I, mine – for you as well. I make you deeply, deeply happy. Yes, you do. All right. Uh, Harris Poll, 19, or in 1916. No, 2016, right? <laughs> uh, people over 65 a little happier. We'll look at some more of the results, but we'll also, before the end of the show, go to the Bible and see what God says about where to find genuine contentment and happiness. If that's what you're looking for in your life, you're going to want to pay attention and maybe grab a copy of the Bible, because after we look at numbers and statistics, we're going to listen to your creator, the one who made you, and what he says will fulfill you. Are you searching for answers to life's toughest questions like, where is God when we suffer? Can I find real happiness? Or is there any hope for our chaotic world? The Discover Bible Guides will help you find the answers you're looking for. Visit us at BibleStudies.com or give us a call at 888-456-7933 for your free Discover Bible Guides. Study online on our secure website or have the free guides mailed right to your home. There is never a cost or obligation. The Discover Bible Guides are our free gift to you. Find answers in guides like, Does My Life Really Matter to God? and A Second Chance at Life. You'll find answers to the things that matter most to you in each of the 26 Discover Bible Guides. Visit BibleStudies.com and begin your journey today to discover answers to life's deepest questions. And now the mics are live. Have you ever sort of seen them signal in the control room that we're just about out of the break and you feel a burp coming on and like we're about to go live (laughs) and you're going to burp in the mic? (laughs) No, but a cough. Yeah. Definitely. Really? I swallowed. I just swallowed a burp. I didn't know you could do that. Okay, well, new skill. That's new a skill. good thing. You're burp learning swallowing. new skills. Yeah, on the on a hole in the Harris Poll of 2016, are burp swallowers happier or unhappier than I, the rest of the Maybe quite we need unhappy to do our own survey. You, you feel a little pain in your chest. Okay. It doesn't feel too good right now. All right, hey, what we are talking about is the secret of happiness. We're looking at what the world says is happy and some studies that have been done. And uh, we were looking at the fact that American happiness, according to a 2016 Harris Poll, Americans are on a scale of 1 to 100. About 31% of us describe ourselves as happy in the mm-hmm. land where the pursuit of happiness is a, is a right. 
It's yeah, a guaranteed constitutional right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Number six, observation number six that I have today. I okay. think we had five observations before the break, and mm-hmm. so this would be no, if it's not number six, it's number seven, whatever. Okay. Take a guess at this. Okay. If you have children under the age of 18 in your house, do you think that makes you happier or less happy? Well, uh, you know, I've, I've read what the Harris Poll says. Oh, and, and, and it's, oh you cheated. You know, you would you you would think though that oh of course the answer is yes it makes you happier <laughs> maybe people who are dealing with a, a little kid having a temper tantrum right now think no it makes you unhappy but the the answer according to the Harris poll was that it has no effect at all no no it makes it, no difference it's, on it's happiness sort of whatsoever so what was the point of having children factor. that's what I want to know now I want my money oh, back there's I want my things. money back. Well, I kids, see some. I see some people in the control room cheering, and they want their money back too. No. Well, no, I someone, guess it's like if your kid just wrote on your couch, that does not bring happiness. No, not in the moment. Yeah, but you know, it's it's a long term. Children obviously bring joy over a lifetime. But you know, oh, mommy, I picked you flowers, and you're yeah, very happy. See, until you go yeah. outside and realize they ripped them out of your flower bed. Now it's unhappy. So it's it's just a wash. It's just a neutral. It's, it's a, a wash. It doesn't seem to make a difference either way. People who are registered to vote are happier than people who aren't. Huh, that feels like that's a little bit of a contrived statistic to get no, people no, to register to vote. No, I don't know, but it does make uh, – I can see why that might be, though. You're more engaged in your community. You, well, you care feel like about you're, causes. Maybe. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah. Or you feel like you're in control a little bit. That's true, too. I helped vote for way. this guy. Or I didn't vote yeah. for him, so I have can live with myself, whatever. Both ways. People who live in the suburbs are happier than people who don't, hmm, that, right? That 32%. None of these numbers are high, by the way. Yeah, the, the slight differences only. Yeah. yeah, This one surprises me because the suburbs are the last place on earth I want to live. I either right. want to live out in the woods, up in the mountains, uh-huh. by myself in a log cabin and run people off my land with a musket, or I want to live in a high-rise downtown. Yeah, we've talked about that many times, yeah. but yet we've lived in suburbia or married life. <laughs> I know, I know. 30% of people, 32% of people who live in – I'm not sure what the number was for people who don't live in the suburbs, but mm. I think everybody's sort of within the sound of my voice in this studio. Everybody – you guys all live in the suburbs, right? Are you pretty happy? Where would you rate your happiness? Like, oh, we got like uh, we got a Putting shrug. On the spot. A shrug is a two. <laughs> That's a two. Oh, I'm sure it's more than a two. But notice this again. Even in the happiest groups of people in this whole country, nobody got higher than the 30s. Which is very surprising to me. I, I certainly wouldn't have thought it was in the 80s or 90s, right. but I would have thought it was higher than the yeah, 30s. Even in the happiest groups, most people are unhappy. Yeah. yeah. Right? But look at this. Even though the happiness index is relatively low, the number of people who think they're going to be happy in the future is high. It's almost 70%. So that means people, maybe they aren't happy, but they're optimistic okay so we're hoping to be happy someday i believe (laughs) one day i will be happy yeah now it's also important to remember just because 30 some percent said they were happy it doesn't mean two-thirds are unhappy because they might have put mostly happy i didn't see the poll you know what was the survey a little unhappy a lot unhappy it's probably not just happy and unhappy so there's probably a little bit of wiggle room in the middle of that survey ever Mm -hmm. doesn't mean everybody out there's it's not 65 percent of people are depressed and hate their lives yeah, but it does mean we're not as happy as we hope to be. Hmm, interesting. Yeah. Um, this is this is fascinating, Sean. And I did bring an infographic along for us to look. You brought at an infographic with, to a radio show. Yes, to a radio <laughs> show. So that may be problematic, but I think it will give us, you and I, well, we'll just here. hold it up to the microphone so our listening audience can see the infographic. If you get really close to your radio, really close, you might be able to see this. This feels like a trick. 
Yeah. But no, but um, it has some more information uh, similar to what the Harris poll oh, found that at, sort of tells us where where we are. You have a source there. You can find this at lifehack.org and look for the science of happiness. Oh, yeah. There you go. There Let's you take go. a look you at this. The, the okay. science of happiness. Okay. That feels like there should be like a little reverb on my voice. The science of happiness. Yes, 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 yes. yes, yes. Now, this is from 2012, this information. So not quite as current as the Harris poll. But All right. Still so the people current. who made this have already died from 2012 yeah yeah they're dead they're unhappy now (laughs) it's a happy day it's the happiness hour not the happy hour but the happiness hour (laughs) at disclosure little difference now we are going to get to the bible i know some of you are like when is he ever going to get to the bible we're going to get there we're going to get there science of happiness Mm -hmm. oh i see we're talking about serotonin here yes serotonin is a neurotransmitter commonly found in turkey i'll tell you who's not happy about that the, the turkey. Turkeys? Yeah, the turkey's yeah. not happy about the fact yeah. that people are eating him for happiness. Yeah, well, it's, it's actually synthesized from the amino acid right. tryptophan. Which they but say serotonin, serotonin is a neurotransmitter. You do make mm-hmm. your own. Mm-hmm. Well, I think you yeah. do. Yeah. Um, it helps regulate learning. Mm-hmm. helps regulate your mood, sleep, sex, and appetite. Hmm. So there you go. And that's all happening in the brain, so of course. you're happier when there's serotonin. Serotonin is kind of the well-being neurotransmitter, right? You got a lot of serotonin. You feel comfortable and and uh, well with the world yeah that's right. right yeah so look at what it says here 20 minutes a day and outside if you go outside for 20 minutes a day in good weather mm-hmm. it boosts your mood it, it produces serotonin right it produces that serotonin mm-hmm. but it boosts your mood it says it broadens your thinking and improves your working memory interesting just 20 minutes a day in good weather huh yeah. I think this one was – that's a number from some depression ex- – or I've, actually, I've heard depression experts say, look, one of the number one keys to lifting yourself out of depression mm-hmm. – and we're talking clinical depression. I know people have um, – oh, what do they call those meds that they give for depression? Antidepressants. A- antidepressants. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> antidepressants. But getting outside in the sunlight 20 minutes a day, one of the first things they'll tell you is you can just about walk your way out of a lot of depression. Yeah. Walk, walk, walk. Get outside in the sunlight. Sunlight helps serotonin serotonin uh, mm-hmm. boosting. Mm-hmm. So I go outside yeah. every morning. I didn't do it this morning, so I got to do it tonight. Yeah. Uh, getting outside. And, and, and I've read other places, um, doesn't matter even if it's an overcast day, just get out there. It's still brighter than being inside a building. You were designed to be out there. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Married people. Married people are 10% happier than unmarried people. Yeah. Interesting. That is interesting. Yeah. And and that makes sense to me. There's more security. It's shocking. <laughs> shocking no, to you. It's shocking. No, shocking. I, I remember this old lady. I was like, okay, this actually happened. I'm at a church potluck and somebody's 50th wedding anniversary. I said, oh, congratulations. You must be so happy. 50 years of marriage. And she puckers up. She turns around, looks at me and says, happy. I hate him. I hate him 50 oh, years. No. Yeah. So. That really happened? Yeah, that really oh, happened. that's awful. Yeah. Ten, <laughs> but married people are 10% happier than unmarried yes. people on average. That doesn't mean happier. you can't be. Look at this, the happiest occupations. Okay, ha- happiest occupations they list are clergymen, Yay. so I guess you're okay. Actor. Actors are happy? Oh, I guess so. Well, you, you get you get paid to play. Yeah, but Maybe you know, that's we, see, we see a lot of actors who suffer too, so I, I don't know. Okay. Um, architect and firefighter. Yeah, the firefighters are, the are happy right up until the building falls in on them, and then there's a couple of unhappy moments. Yeah, I, I, fi- I find this kind of interesting. I'm not sure how these four um, occupations, what the correlation is amongst them, but I did read something that sort of counters this recently, Sean. I don't remember where I read it, but it was another article about happiness, and it talked about the lowest level of job satisfaction comes when two criteria come together. The person has high responsibility, 
mm-hmm. and they have low control over the outcome of what they're responsible for. And interestingly, a clergy person falls right in that category. There's massive responsibility and, and there's low control because it's the individuals you're ministering to that make the decisions. Okay, so you're so challenging I'm this ch- one. I'm just offering a secondary opinion to ah, that. Look at next to it, though. Look yeah. at this. This one does make sense. Around the world, consumerism is the biggest suppressant of happiness. That absolutely makes sense. That was sense. really the topic of our mm-hmm. first three shows in this series. Sure like, was. If you base your happiness on stuff, remember what Jesus said. Um, basically, in Luke chapter 12, um, you know, beware of covetousness, for a man's right. life does not consist of the abundance of his possessions. In other words, you are not what you own. If you base your happiness on material possessions and material wealth, when that is gone, you are gone. You have mm-hmm. no meaning. So that mm-hmm. one ties right into some of the biblical themes that we've been looking it does. at. It does. Look at this. In the whole world, the happiest people live in Iceland. Yeah. Do you know why? 94%. Because it's like 60 degrees all year, and they don't have to sweat because their wife turns up the thermostat to 80. We're going to have the thermostat war conversation. Right on air. Right? <laughs> Denmark, Sweden, they're all in the north all where it's cold. cold countries. Netherlands. Yes, yes. And, and the Australia. Netherlands. Yay, Netherlands, right? 91% yeah. of Netherlands Dutch people okay. claim to be happy. So I'm going to cover that up. You may have already looked. But, Sean, where do you think the U.S. ranks? 16th. As far- <laughs> Just looked. as a wild guess. 16th. <laughs> you looked. I peaked. So yep. America is the 16th happiest country ah, but look, in the world. Where are these, where are these happy countries? They Iceland, Denmark, Sweden, Netherlands. Nor- Northern Europe. Right. Australia comes number five, mm-hmm. but they're in the north. And look at the next statistic. Happiness is maximized at 13.9 <laughs> degrees Celsius or 50 oh, degree, wow. 57 degrees Fahrenheit. Wow. Folks, keep That's your true. house at 57 and you will be happy. That's expensive. Yeah, well, you summer. get to snuggle. Yeah. I'll snuggle. If you were to turn if you if you were to turn the thermostat down to fifty seven, I would snuggle with you. Oh, it would take that to have you snuggle, huh? Yeah. Yep. Okay. So lots of stuff here. A healthy yeah. people are twenty or twenty percent happier than average. Having a child, look at this, this kind of flies in the face of something we saw a minute ago. Yeah, the Harris poll. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This one says having a child reduces happiness by point two four percent negligible. Negligible. But still reduces happiness. We assume, of course, kids are going to increase our happiness, but um, no, yeah. Negligible effect. Yeah, very fascinating. That very is fascinating. fascinating. Exercise again shows up. It releases proteins and endorphins that make the brain feel happier. Only 9% of depression patients who are treated with exercise relapse back into depression. Interesting. Whereas interesting. patients treated with meds, 38%, according to this, mm-hmm. relapse into depression. Exercise, it, if this is accurate, and I'm no doctor, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. And if you're wrestling with depression, go talk to a real doctor. Absolutely. You know, if you've got clinical depression. But it seems to me that sunshine and exercise are as effective or more effective than just medicating yourself. Well, they certainly should be tried. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Sleep-deprived college students. Mm. Mm-hmm. If you are sleep-deprived, you struggle to remember positive ideas, it says, and you remember all the negative ones. Yeah, you remember 81% of the negative words and 31% of positive words. Fascinating. Yeah. So so it's easier to get depressed yeah, when you, if you're when not you're getting sleep. Deprived. But look yeah, at this. These are all yeah. these natural cures that show up in the Bible again and again. Fresh air, sunshine. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we're going to see community show up here. Mm-hmm. A sense of community right over the mm-hmm. page. Right? Yeah. The happiest kids in the world, it says, are from Mexico. And they correlate that to they have close friends and family. Well, and of course, uh, mm-hmm. what does it say here? 43% attend church weekly. 43% describe themselves as happy. So these are all these things that show community. up in the Bible again. Yeah. Sunshine, fresh air water, sleep, exercise, church, community, faith. 
there's a real uh, we're going to look at what the bible says about happiness in here in a, in a couple of minutes actually we're up against a break look at that yeah. there's 41 seconds because you just keep talking I know, it's you a used problem. up all my time and now i'm not as happy as i could be now, okay no i'm just kidding folks please don't write complaint letters <laughs> i I, I do love my wife and she doesn't do the talking in our house believe it or not i do most of it shocking i know yeah i know <laughs> but look when we look at the study i think we're going to find a lot of these same things show up in a biblical approach to life, that mm-hmm. there is a reason that religious people tend to be more content and church attenders tend to be more content and tend to be happier. So we're going to take a break and uh, we're going to come back in just a moment and talk about happiness from a Christian perspective and see what we can actually learn from the pages of the Bible. Creation. Evolution. Where did the world come from? Where did you come from? Were you created in an instant? Did you evolve from another animal or life species? These are issues that are discussed in classrooms, textbooks, and sometimes around your break table at work when the conversation suddenly turns serious. These kinds of questions are answered in our free Discover Bible Guides. These 26 beautifully illustrated guides cover all the major themes of the Bible, and they answer some of the hardest questions of life. You can get your free copy just for the asking by contacting me. Go to VOP.com and click on the tab that says Study. That's VOP.com, the tab that says Study, or phone me, 888-456-7933. That's 888-456-7933 for your free Discover Bible Guides, available just for the asking. Have you ever, uh, have you ever actually smelled your microphone? Uh, no. Give it a sniff. What does it smell like? Nothing. No. I don't smell anything. No, yours doesn't smell nice? What are you about to do to me? No, no, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Oh, we're actually on the air. Smarten up. Oh, you smart. All right. We're talking about happiness. I am married to the happiest woman in the world. I mean, it's easy to see why. Yes, it is. <laughs> so you make me happy. <laughs> you make me happy. Aww. Aww. I got you, babe. Do, yeah, do. I'm not singing. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> we looked at studies on happiness, and it is time to get to Bible study, I think. There's probably a thousand different studies on happiness because that's one of our biggest concerns. Nobody sure. wants to be unhappy. Right, We all hate to be uncomfortable. We all hate to think that our lives might be meaningless and painful. So it makes sense to me that there are a lot of studies on happiness. It's the thing we crave most. But what I want to do now is study this from a Christian perspective and see what we might be able to learn from the Bible about contentment and about happiness. And there's yeah. no way we'll finish this topic today. We'll probably have to visit it again. But mm-hmm. I want to look at it from a biblical perspective. Okay. Uh, I think that makes good sense because there's got to be a reason that religious people seem to have higher levels of contentment than the rest of the population. And we have to wonder if it's more than just this sense of community. Yeah, I bet you're right. Mm-hmm. I think one of the best ways to study the subject of happiness is to understand why we don't have it, mm-hmm. right? Why do we yeah. not have happiness? Why aren't we born content and live content without any effort? The Bible says that when God first created the world, he stood back and said, it is very good. Right. Perfect. Perfect right. place, perfectly suited to our needs. But then sin comes along 
and we separate ourselves from the perfect relationship we had with our Creator. Ever since that moment, I think we've all been subconsciously trying to get back into Eden, back into the ideal situation. And outside of the ideal situation, you'll never be happy. Mm-hmm. So the Bible says in Ecclesiastes 3 and verse 11, one of my favorite verses, it says, God has put eternity in our hearts. So even though we were perfectly free to leave paradise, perfectly free to walk away from a relationship with God, God has planted a latent memory of a better time and place in our hearts so that we crave him. Mm. And we're going to want to come back. I mean, how do you even know that better is possible unless you have something to compare this present reality with? We have this memory God gave us that it could be better. Right? Mm. So we have this sense of unhappiness. We know something out there is wrong. If you haven't figured it out in the first year of your life, when you fall down and skin your knee, mm. you're going to figure it out at some point. Something's wrong. It's not the way it's supposed to be. Mm. And so we have this inbred optimism God gave us that pain can be dealt with. Things could be better. Things should be better. Mm-hmm. Where does that come from? It's mm. this latent memory God gave us of a better time and place. And the Bible calls that eternity in the heart. In the heart. So one of the first things we need to recognize then is that our desire to improve is there because God is holding out hope for us. And that means that God also then is interested in our happiness. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah. we could read the whole Bible for this series. We could spend, you know, 30 weeks and go through the whole Bible on this. But I don't know of any one place that it shows up better than in the Sermon on the Mount. God mm-hmm. is interested in our happiness. He's trying to go. return us back to the created order, back to the way that things were. Uh, there's a reason we're longing for it. God's trying to drive it, uh, drive us there. And the best place maybe to start, there's a million places we could start. Let's start with the Sermon on the Mount. Okay. Jesus spends a significant amount of time talking about how to find happiness. And people, really? I'm sorry, I don't even remember the word happiness. No, it's there. In Matthew chapter 5, there's this section that most people call the Beatitudes, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Or there's this corny one, what are they, the be happy attitudes. That drives me nuts. Don't do that. <laughs> Don't cutesy the Bible. That's well, a good way to remember, maybe. Uh, yeah. The Beatitudes are this whole series of promises from God that we can be blessed. blessed. It says blessed. Right. Blessed, blessed are, blessed mm-hmm. are. The word for blessed in this context is makarios. It's a Greek word. I think there was a Greek politician 10, 15, 20 years ago by that name, makarios. It oh, literally means happy. It's the Greek word for happy. So what it's literally saying is happy Mm. in the Beatitudes. Happy are you if you do this and happier. Now, that might be a really good place to start. God's formula for happiness. Matthew 5, verse 3. Jesus says, blessed Makarios, happy. Happy are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Mm. Now, you'll notice it doesn't say blessed are the poor. Mm -hmm. Uh, This is actually talking about people who are poor in spirit, spirit, right? These are people whose opinion of themselves is proportional to their awareness that there's something wrong with the human heart. Mm. They're poor in spirit. They're not arrogant. They're not proud. These are humble people. These are people who realize they don't have all the answers. These are people, quite frankly, who recognize they have a tragic flaw in their hearts and they find happiness in humility, huh. in being poor in spirit. Well, it's 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 interesting that you mentioned that because that was kind of the point of most of the Greek dramas and mythology. Um, you always seem to get this hero who could have everything he wants except for that one tragic flaw that keeps them from getting there. Right. Yeah. It's like the ancient Greek philosophers were admitting that there are insurmountable problems with humanity, that something's broken, and because of that, 
we never get to paradise. Yeah, that kind it's of interesting. is interesting. You're yeah. the yeah. Well, you are the resident pagan, so that's uh, you, you I'm brought, the resident. Well, you brought up pagan. the pagan philosophers. You know, no, but it's true. If you look at the pagan yeah. philosophers, they recognize something's broken with the human race. Yeah. Like you always have this hero who can't quite get there because right, the tragic flaw. The gods hold him yeah. down, or he has a personal flaw, yeah. and that's their reaction to the broken human condition. Mm-hmm. Right? There's something wrong. Mm-hmm. So there are two ways you can react to the fact that there's something wrong in this world. Number one, you can pretend nothing is wrong. Right? That's one way of going about it. I'm perfect the way I am. I'll bluff my way through life. But if you're going to do that, you're going to have to medicate your conscience and convince mm-hmm. yourself that nothing is wrong in this world. Right? True. You're going to have to bury your awareness that something's fundamentally wrong. And most people do that with all the wrong things. They go looking for happiness and what other people can do for you or with money, or with power, or sex, or substance abuse, or entertainment, or things that never address the problem. You're just medicating your conscience and pretending there's nothing wrong in this world. That's one approach. Or secondly, you can admit that something is wrong and that you need God's help. Mm. That is what it means to be poor in spirit, right? To be poor in spirit is realize I don't have the answers. I need God. And while that seems like an uncomfortable concept up front, Jesus says that's actually the path to happiness. You cannot treat a disease until you're willing to admit that you have a disease. You can't find peace with God unless you're willing to admit that you don't have peace with God and you Mm. fall short of his glory. So true. Right? And unless you find peace with God, you're never going to find actual happiness because you're continuing to live outside of the framework that God created you for. Mm. But the path to peace with God is take that first step and admit you need you, his, his, his help. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Where does that path go? Right back into the kingdom of God. Right back to the place you were created to live in the first place. Oh, wow. So the first step to happiness, according to Jesus, then, is to admit that you're not happy and that you don't know how to get there, how to get to that That's right. Place I'm helpless to find my own happiness. Hmm. We've got to admit that we need him, that we're broken, that we're sinners, right. and that we need his help. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And that leads to step number two. Jesus continues with the second beatitude. Blessed, makarios, happy. Happy are those who, now here's a, here comes a paradox, mm. blessed are those who mourn. Yeah. Not that something doesn't make sense. we attach to right? happiness Happiness, generally. if I mourn, why? For they shall be comforted. Mm. See, once you've recognized that something is wrong and you've admitted it, it's going to lead to some feelings. The Bible calls those feelings repentance. It's this recognition, oh my goodness, I've been living outside of God's will. There's something wrong. I've done wrong. I'm a sinner. What I've been doing is contrary to the way God made this universe, and what I've been doing is contrary to his will. Mm-hmm. And I'll be honest, I mean, in the, in the beginning, that is not a great feeling. Yeah. Right? No. Yeah. Something's wrong. When you understand that it was the sins of humanity that actually put Jesus on the cross, that the Bible says he was made sin for me. Mm. Humbling. Yeah, it's humbling. Mm-hmm. It's my crime. The, you know, my crimes against the God of heaven that became nails in his hands. It's my pride that becomes a spear in his side, a crown of thorns on his head. And if you really want to know what it means to mourn for your condition, then spend a few moments each day contemplating the cross of Calvary because it's just utterly impossible to stand there in the shadow of the cross and not actually start to hate sin because mm-hmm. on the cross, sin shows up with all of its horrific consequences. I mean, if you really want to see what the human heart is made out of, the way it is right now. Watch the crowd at the foot of the cross and listen to them mock the most beautiful person who ever lived. Watch humanity murder a man who did nothing but good. Watch humanity despise their own creator and put him to death. Mm. It's humbling. Mm. And it leads to a sorrow for who we are and what we've become. And we suddenly realize why we're unhappy. Mm. 
Now we don't mourn for our unhappiness. We mourn because we realize what we've done to God's perfect universe. Now, you have to admit that. You have to get to that point before you can get on the path to happiness and full restoration. Jesus said there's happiness waiting at the end of that path because we do not mourn in vain. He says, blessed, happy are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. So recognizing so that we can have that comfort. Yeah, absolutely. And, of course, uh, Sean, that leads us to the next step. Blessed are the meek. Yep, blessed are the meek, verse 5, for they shall inherit the earth. Mm. And one of the biggest sources of unhappiness in this world, and it's going to seem counterintuitive to people, it's pride. Mm-hmm. We spend our whole life trying to fill our own bucket. We, we dedicate all our time, all our resources to the pursuit of happiness. But at the end of the day, how do I put this? Well, the pursuit of happiness is impossible. You can mm-hmm. chase it all you want. But if you chase happiness, you're never going to get there because pride is always hungry. It's, it's a bottomless bucket that you're trying to fill. Yeah. Yeah, it's impossible to fill it. Pride's the original problem in this universe. Yeah. We esteemed ourselves as greater than God. We took over the reins of our own universe and your pride. You're never going to fill your pride. You're never yeah. going to come to the point where you say, well, now I'm happy because I took care of myself enough. Yeah. It yeah. doesn't work that way. Yeah. Pride's the original problem. We put ourselves on a pedestal and you're never going to get to the bottom of that. We've been doing that now for a long time, trying to feed our own pride and we can't figure out, somehow we just can't figure out that taking care of number one never makes you mm. happy. That's right. Right? Yeah. Never yeah. makes you happy. Yeah. So you, you, you don't spend your time filling your own bucket, taking care of your own pride. Now, um, there's a distinction here. Of course, you're not saying, Sean, that people in abusive relationships should just take it and make their abuser their number no, one No, 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 right. Per, you right. know, preferring yourself leads to unhappiness. But yeah. I'm not saying, on the other hand, that, okay, you're a I, I'm going to be meek and I'm going <laughs> to yeah. let my husband step on me like a doormat. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a sense in which taking care of yourself does make sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's not just a matter of placing others first. It's a matter of lo- not letting somebody else appropriate your life to themselves. You actually enable abusers when you stick around and let them use your life to live for themselves. So mm-hmm. I'm glad you made that clarification. We do not want to send the signal that if you're an abusive relationship, just live with it and be meek. That's not what this right. is talking this is about. Different. No, we're talking about different. normal everyday contexts. Yeah. Living yeah. for self does not equal happiness. That doesn't mean you don't remove yourself from an abusive situation. You sure. do. Mm-hmm. But if it's a matter of pride, living for self is a bottomless well. Shovel all the dirt you want in that well. You're never going to fill it up because your number one obsession is still self Mm -hmm. and you're just making the well bigger with every scoop of dirt and it doesn't work. I see. We're up at the minute mark and we have filled that time. But so far we've got, what have we got here? We've got blessed are the poor in spirit, understanding something is wrong in this world. Blessed are those who mourn, mourning our broken situation away from God. Blessed are the meek, understanding that, that, our rightful place in this universe, happiness doesn't come from exalting self. It it comes from uh, exalting God. We live for God's glory and God lives for our good. And if you can return to that situation, then happiness kind of starts to spring out of it. And I hear the music. That means we've got to, we're going to have a lot to cover yet. We've got all the Beatitudes. We may not finish those today. But you notice that really these steps in the Beatitudes to finding happiness is it's really a matter of how a person comes to God and becomes a follower of Christ. Mm. It's repentance for sin, recognizing our broken condition, submitting to God. And the Beatitudes are really reaching to the core of our unhappiness, which is our spiritual brokenness. So let's take a little break. We'll come back to those in a moment and uh, look at the Beatitudes and find the real secrets to happiness as they're outlined 
in the Word of God. You're listening to Disclosure. We'll be back in one moment. Are you searching for answers to life's toughest questions? Like, where is God when we suffer? Can I find real happiness? Does my life really matter to God? Or is there any hope for our chaotic world? The Discover Bible Guides will help you find the answers that you're looking for. Visit us at BibleStudies.com or give us a call at 888-456-7933 for your free Discover Bible Guides. Study online on our secure website or have the free guides mailed right to your home. There is never a cost or obligation. The Discover Bible Guides are our free gift to you. Find answers in guides like A Second Chance at Life. You'll find answers to the things that matter the most to you. Visit BibleStudies.com and begin your journey today to discover answers to life's deepest questions. And I see the magic finger pointing at me from the control room, which means the mics are now live and we're on the air. We're back. We're talking about happiness, the real secrets of happiness. Secrets of happiness. We started the program by looking at some studies, some fairly yep. recent studies. You brought studies. in an infographic to show everybody on the radio. <laughs> no, to, sh- to show you that we discussed on the radio, <laughs> no, which no. worked out just great. <laughs> the real secret to happiness is your wife is right. That is the real that, secret of happiness. That will help you right? go a long Everyone way in there in is life. married. Guy's right. Yeah, your wife is right. That's a secret to happiness. Yeah, good. They're all well-trained. Yeah. I like that. No, but um, Sean, you started talking as we've looked at the Beatitudes and some of the biblical principles for happiness. You said living for self doesn't equal happiness because pride is like this bottomless pit. We can never fill it up. That's right. Focus on yourself and that is not the path to happiness. If you chase happiness, you don't find it. And I'm begging you out there, um, if that's the path you're on, don't waste the first 30, Mm. 40, 50 years of your life before you finally come to the conclusion that you can't make yourself happy. It doesn't work that way. It's actually well known that one of the most effective remedies for discouragement and discontent is to make the happiness of somebody else a priority. Hmm. Why? Well, in that case, you're moving back into the original context that God created us for. He lives for our good, and we live for his glory. That's the original situation. And when you're living for the happiness of someone else, you're almost mirroring the relationship that happens in the Godhead. You've got this trinity of persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, who live for each other and not for self. It's a perfect, loving arrangement. That's great. And so living for the happiness of somebody else moves you closer to the will of God, makes you closer to what you were created to be. And I can't tell you how many times I've been down in the dumps, marinating in my own problems. Oh, woe is me. <laughs> right? We all do it. Oh, sure. And, yeah. and then I spend a few hours helping someone who has it worse than I do, and it cures you. Yeah. It cures you of self-pity. Yeah, per- puts the, everything into perspective. Absolutely. It really does. It really does. It's like um, Philippians 2, the passage that says, let this mind be in you. And then it goes on to describe the humiliation of Jesus as he emptied himself of everything he had in order to save us. And because of that, the Bible says that the name of Jesus will be exalted above every other name. And every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Great point. Actually, mm-hmm. the book of Hebrews says Jesus actually went to the cross for the joy that was mm. set before him. Now, you've got to ask joy. yourself, there's yeah. a paradox, right? <laughs> Happiness in the Bible is a paradox. 
Because what kind of joy are you going to find in a cross? It's the most cruel death imaginable. There is nothing happy about hanging naked in a public square, having the public spit on you, make fun of you, torture you behind, beyond words. That's not fun. No. Right. But the Bible still says he found joy in giving his life for others. Yeah. It's the yeah. paradox of happiness. Mm-hmm. It's to empty yourself is where joy is found, not in pursuing yourself. And for you and me, it holds doubly true because we tend to obsess about self. Our primary focus, if we're honest, it's me. Me, me, me is my focus. Mm-hmm. It's natural because that's the only perspective you're born into this world with. Well, I was just going to say we're born that way. Right. Everyone who's been around a two-year-old knows that's our natural tendency me, as humans. Me, 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 <laughs> me. Mine, mine, yes. mine. Yeah, mine is an early that's word, we isn't are. it? Yeah. Yeah, but it's not the path to happiness. That's the, right. If you make the happiness of others a priority, you'll be – I think if you're unhappy out there – Get out. Get out of your funk. Get out of the house. I mean, and if you're seriously, go talk to a doctor. If you've been wrestling with depression for a long time, please do, because sometimes you, this is not medical advice, but maybe get out there and go and find a charity and volunteer today. Go do Mm -hmm. it this weekend. Go Mm -hmm. help somebody who's in worse shape than you are. And I think you'd be remarkably surprised at how that can suddenly lift your own spirits because you're not obsessed with self anymore. And getting your eyes off of self is one of the keys to happiness. Um, just before that same passage you quoted in Philippians 2, mm-hmm. here's what Paul, uh, Paul says, Philippians 2, verse 3. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit. That's our natural wow. state. But let in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others as better than himself. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's, How am I going to be happy esteeming wow. others better than myself? Yeah. Try it out. Yeah. Try it out. Yeah. And it, and it might not come naturally, but I think the the fruits of it will be will come naturally. Um, now to our human way of thinking, Sean, it, it it just doesn't make any sense. How can putting others ahead of ourselves lead to happiness? Um, there's the Maslow's hierarchy of needs, and right. we had that on our infographic. I don't know that we actually we never had a chance to, to talk about it. Everybody who takes liberal arts in college yeah. hears about Maslow's, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? right. And, and of course, self realization—that's right at the top. That's what he um, says. Makes from you a happiest. secular perspective, right. yes. But, you know, what we just read here in Philippians, it just says the absolute opposite. Once we stop obsessing about ourselves, we naturally become happier. We stop trying to feed that bottomless ego. Um, We get out of the way and live for something bigger. Um, So now we've moved one step closer toward the original framework that we were created for. We've become more Christ-like when we go through this process. And in becoming more Christ-like, we have taken a significant step toward the kingdom of God and to, you know, how we were originally created. Absolutely. And that naturally leads to happiness. So Jesus says, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. And according Mm -hmm. to the Bible, this earth actually becomes our permanent home after God sets everything right. He recreates this earth and he puts us back in the Garden of Eden. So if you take these steps and move closer to God, admit you have a problem, repent of sin, come closer to God, you're you're aligning yourself with the way God created the human race and you Mm -hmm. end up back in Eden, back Mm -hmm. in the earth made new, Mm -hmm. right? So if you choose to live now like you're already there, you will find a greater degree of happiness. Mm -hmm. Happiness is being more completely wrapped up in the will of God now and happiness is knowing that you're headed for complete and utter restoration. Oh, I can put wow. up with a lot in this life if I know that that God's got control of this and he's going to restore it all. Yeah, yeah. So in the meantime, as we prefer others and live for their good, we actually come to live more and more in meaningful community, which 
all the studies we looked at, including the two we looked at this morning here, um, they demonstrate that that's, that's one of the keys to yes, greater happiness, that I, community. I will begrudgingly admit it because <laughs> I am a hermit. And the older I get, the more hermit I get. Yeah, I am the old guy sure. running kids off his lawn. I would love to live in the woods and scare, you know, well, I guess not scare no, people that step onto my land. You're not that scary, no, but you are a hermit. I am a bit I of a hermit. But, but all of the studies demonstrate that meaningful community mm-hmm. – um, is a key to greater happiness. Right. Um, and you find more meaning in life mm-hmm. in, the, in that situation, getting closer to God's will for you. And finding meaning in life is another big key to happiness. I, I know a lot of people think they're looking for happiness, but that's not really what we're looking for. What we're looking for in life is meaning. It's mm. purpose. We want to know that when our life is over, that your existence actually means something. Yeah, made that a it, difference. Right. Yeah. Well, what, what difference did it make that I was here? Did I just punch the clock, put in, you know, 50, 60, 70, 80, 90 years and right. didn't mean anything? Right. Look, I've sat with dying people. And when you're in your last 10 minutes of life, the fact you were poor isn't going to bother you. Mm-hmm. Not at all. Mm-hmm. If you were never famous, not going to bother you in the last 10 minutes. If your life was hard, even that doesn't bother you. Hmm. But these people that get to the last 10 minutes and realize they wasted this one lifetime and they didn't spend it well and that it didn't mean anything, they're the ones who panic in the Hmm. last 10 minutes. I wasted it. Hmm. But if you make a difference in other people's lives, it will fill your own life with meaning. Now you're more closely aligned with the will of God and you will know that your existence matters. 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 Yeah. It's important to all of us. Yep. Yeah. Well, let's move on to the next beatitude. Yeah, we'll never get these all in... done, all will we? Well, but let's, let's, try. let's Verse keep looking. Verse 6, I believe. Yep. Mm-hmm. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Right. So once we've chosen humility and meekness as the best path in life, we start making other people our priority. Well, it sounds like then naturally we take a step closer to God. Right. And the closer we get to God, I know I've discovered, the more of him we want. Right. You know, when we start to spend time with him, right. <laughs> we just want more and more and more time. We hunger, we thirst. So people who hunger and thirst after righteousness, God promises this isn't in vain. He will fill us. He wants us to get closer. He wants us to want more of him, to want that time with him. And that means seeking God first is always going to be a key to greater happiness. Absolutely. Remember the words of Jesus, Matthew chapter 6, just a chapter after the Beatitudes. He says, therefore, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what Mm. shall we drink or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek, but your heavenly Father knows you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So let's take a quick look. There's three more Beatitudes. Okay. Let's see if we can beat the clock today. Sure. Let's Verse 7 it. of Matthew 5. Blessed Makarios, happy are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. mercy. Mm-hmm. We know for a fact that people who hold a grudge, people who can't forgive somebody else, they are deeply unhappy. Mm-hmm. Holding a grudge, in fact, might be one of the worst ways to live. It will literally eat you up and cut your life short. Because anger isn't just a mental problem. It actually spills over into your physical well-being, yeah, too. Yeah, physical Anger has physical manifestations. Sure, absolutely. Um, you know, Sean, that would probably be a great topic for an entire show. Um, when we hang on to, to anger like that and we refuse to forgive, we really do ourselves more harm than the person we have that grudge against. And forgiving someone doesn't mean that we have to let an abusive person back into our lives. No, we kind of talked about that a little bit already. Doesn't mean that we have to let people hurt us. What it means is letting go. That's right. Forgiveness is absolving people. And after we let go of it, 
these people stop living <laughs> rent-free in our heads, That's don't right. they? When you hang yeah. on to anger, you're letting these people that have made your life miserable live inside your head. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You're consuming your entire life on somebody else's problem, and there's no way you can fix other people. The best thing you can do is let go of it. If you have to, write down what's bothering you about that person and then go and burn it. Never mail it. Do not post <laughs> it on Facebook. Do not post it on Twitter, no. but burn it. What you really want to do is give people their problems back. Mm. That's what forgiving does. Like yeah. That's his problem. I'm going to give it back to him, and I'm going to let go of it. Let yeah. go of it. Show mercy. That's the path to happiness. Uh, verse 8. Blessed Makarios, happy are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Oh, beautiful. Uh, I think sometimes people, uh, more and more all the time, mock right living. Uh, yeah, but imagine, to those who call evil good and good evil. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So true of our day today. But can you imagine getting to the finish line of life with no regrets? I mean, imagine not having hurt people, not having done things that make you hang your head in shame. I mean, people make fun of the kids who want to live straight when they're young, but don't we all envy those same kids when later in life when we hit our 40s, 50s, and 60s? Because they don't have those shameful things to be – No, they're, yeah, exactly right. We mm-hmm. mock people who live straight, but those people who live straight have a happier time later in yeah, life. Absolutely. And God knows yeah. what he's talking Blessed are the pure in heart. Um, mm-hmm. And now maybe you're listening today and you do have some shameful memories. Let's just you know talk about that for a second. Yeah. I think the whole the whole good news here is here is you can mourn over that it says and be happy. Mm-hmm. Y- you you can be poor in spirit, mourn for your sin, and still find happiness. God offers complete forgiveness Absolutely. and restoration. Nah, verse nine, last one. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Yeah, actually, there's a whole bunch more. We're not even going to get done this, are wow. you? No. <laughs> Blessed are the peacemakers. The world has enough people, folks, who know how to keep a fight going. Mm-hmm. They do. Everyone yeah. knows how to do that. Yeah, we know true. how to stand up for ourselves, get what's ours. Mm-hmm. But the people who spend their time finding peace, you see Snack Man? No. Snack Man. We'll end here. We didn't get through is. all the – Snack Man sees a fight on the New York subway. Okay. And so what he does is he gets in between the two people who are – the fight's getting worse and worse, and he just stands in between them and, and eats a snack. I think it's French fries. He just stands in between <laughs> them. And there's nothing more peaceful than people eating. Yeah. And he just stands there till the fight was over. And this goes viral. I can't believe he stopped a fight by getting in between them and eating a snack. Interesting. The reason it goes viral is we found a guy who knew how to bring strife to a close. He's a peacemaker, and we admired it, and we all instinctively wished there was more of that. Mm. Happy are the peacemakers. Mm-hmm. It goes on. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't have time today. Happy are the persecuted for righteousness' sake. Blessed mm-hmm. are you. When they, there's a lot of paradoxes here, but here's the bottom line. The path to happiness is not what you think it is. Yeah. It's coming back in line with the will of God, and that means having to admit where we've gone wrong Stepping in line with God's will, and his promise is blessed, Makarios, happy you will be if you start living now like you're already restored to the paradise God created you for. Mm-hmm. And the other secret to happiness is to marry Jean. <laughs> it just is. Uh, well, I can only marry one man, so I yeah. don't know that that's very good advice. No, no, I'm not offering anyone else can marry you. <laughs> but marry somebody like Jean, and you'll be mostly uh-huh. happy. Mostly that's happy. Yeah, yeah, unless you know, unless she makes tomato soup. Then you won't be happy that day. But that's all the time that we've got. <laughs> and uh, some people are happy with tomato soup, just not me. Thanks for joining us. The real secret to happiness at the end of the day is Jesus Christ. And falling in line with his will. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you again next time on Disclosure.